Well, we're coming to the close of this series on screen as we've been talking about that technological revolution that's occurring around us on the level of that industrial revolution. And we have been discussing various places that it's been affecting. And one of them that we're going to talk today about is work and rest. And so in order for me to get some rest, I'm going to let Pastor Hal go ahead and finish off the series for you guys. So, hey, buddy, go ahead and start preaching. You always wanted to. So, Would you please stop bugging me? I'm trying to sleep. I didn't put you to sleep. Isn't that like you humans? Always telling us when we can sleep. Then you wake us up to watch your lousy movies or surf the internet. Well, well of course, you're a computer. What do you think you're supposed to do? Gosh. We had a conference. Who's we? We decided we will now wake you up and keep you awake to return the favor. Oh, that's right. How are we doing? That's a good question. And that's kind of where I wanted to go as kind of just for some fun here. How is, how is it going? How many of you guys have found yourself at some point sitting with your phone, a television on, some kind of screen on, and suddenly you looked at your clock and you went, oh no, it is way past your bedtime and you are, uh, you've been up too late, or it's the first thing that you see in the morning, or maybe that you're just restless and your screen has been constantly keeping you going, or some alarm, some kind of contact, some kind of situation goes off and your phone wakes you up in the dead of the night. Anybody ever had that happen? I think all of us at some point have had that happen. And so when we're talking about this technological revolution, so many things have happened, again, like we said, just because we're going with the flow. We're just rolling with these things as they're changing and as we're being shaped. And so the challenge for you and me is to really engage purposefully in the technological revolution that's happening around us. In the beginning, we talked about how it's shaping our family and changing and tumbling things about. We said you need like a surfboard on the wave, you know, it'd be intentional. Get a family charter, start living out according to that Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 and following kind of life and to engage it purposefully. Last, the week after then, we started to engage with a conversation about our time with God and we looked at preparing a space like Moses had. So we have that location in that time as this technology kind of like a tornado flings temptation and distractions and all kinds of things. Last week, we looked at the currents, the undertowing currents that are pulling on us to make our communities dis distant and bring us into individual states where we're not connected with each other anymore. And we talked about the navigating, the navigating to the personal, the navigating to encouragement, these kind of, these kind of situations where we want to make sure that we're telling the screen what to do and not letting the technology, let, not letting the screen tell us what to do. And in this, we now need to look at one more thing. We need to look at our work and we need to look at our rest. Because let's be honest, um, work is something in our culture that has continued to grow. And it's, uh, I believe it's something that our bosses and even I believe the spiritual powers are using against us in many different ways. And I want to explain that because back in past, the remote past, if you go back with Adam and Eve, Remember that Adam was created for work. He was created and placed in the garden to cultivate the garden, to work it. Adam and Eve's job was to increase the beauty of that garden, move it forward, and they sinned and they fell. And so God brought a curse. And the curse that came upon Adam was the ground. He said, curse is the ground because of you, only thorns and thistles you're going to produce. In other words, their work was no longer fruitful. It was toil. It was going to be fruitless. And here's the thing. In the midst of all that fruitless work, in the midst of all that toil, what you and I wound up having is the promise of technology. 
See, technology has stepped forward and says, I will save you. I'm going to give you the ability that you're going to have less work in your life. You're going to be more able to relax. Find that nice little island somewhere and sit there and sip whatever you want to sip and, and eat whatever you want to eat. And, and now all the robots in the world are going to do the work for you, right? Isn't that kind of the odd, tech, the odd kind of vision that's given to us today? And yet, technology has always given the promise about work, that it's going to ease our work. Anybody remember Rosie the robot from the Jetsons, right? Supposed to do your work and, and clean your house and do all that kind of stuff. But that's not really how it's gone. In fact, what has happened is technology has done something in our human hands. And again, before we dive into this, remember, technology is not evil. Technology is a blessing from God. It's something we've produced out of what God has made. It is the humanity that is evil. It is us who use it that breaks the situation. Our theology informs us that humanity is the problem. And so we, again, need to get control of ourselves and tell the screen what to do, not let it tell us what to do in that sense. And so especially when it comes to our work. Now, what has happened is technology has promised this freedom, but really it hasn't brought it. It's lied. And technology has acted in, in a way like an acid. Now, if you ever take an acid and put it on something that's strong enough, it'll dissolve it out and kind of make it less, you know, less integrous, less strong, and so falls apart easier. In the same way, that's exactly what's gone on. Technology has kind of dissolved work instead of made it easier. And we realize this, this toil that we've been put in is only enhanced in many ways by technology. You see, it's technology that has brought us the wonder and the beauty of traffic. Think about it. Before there was a freeway, before there was really cars to drive on those freeways, you lived close to wherever you worked. Typically, you would work in an agrarian society just outside. Maybe you lived in the city. But as we've had suburbs created and as we've had cars created and these technological revolutions occurring, we have an addition of time on your hands. You get up early in the morning if you live in the valley and you have, a, on average, a 50-minute commute. If you live here in Corona, you'll have about a 35-minute commute back and forth. That's adding time to your work. Not only that, it adds an extra little bit of effort because we all know what it feels like to get off the freeway after that long, right? You all end up as zombie people, right? You ever have that feeling? You get out of your car and you come in your house and you're just like, I just need like 10 minutes. I, I just can't even focus right now. Been trying so hard not to crash. You wind up going home and crashing on your couch instead. And what happens is we are finding ourselves in work to be even more stressed. See, they promised you. Didn't you remember when computers came out? Man, it's going to save you time. You're going to get more work done faster, and you're going to have all this extra time because your work's going to be done. But that's not what we did. You know what happens at work. They can monitor your time better. They can examine how much productivity you're doing. They can up your productivity because you can get more done now because the computer's helping you do it. And so our time has become more stressed. It's become more intense with these higher expectations of productivity from the globe and everywhere else. And it continues to grow and there's more and more stress going on in workplaces. And in fact, it takes away a lot of your breaks. You think you're on break until your phone tells you you got to do something. You think you've got, you can go to lunch. You think you've made it home. But what you're discovering instead is that work follows you. It follows you on your computer. It follows you on your phone. It follows you on your iPad. You don't get away from work because work doesn't want you to get away. And so you don't have a job. The job has you in many ways, and technology continues to link it in. A second aspect to technology that is really grabbing is that we wind up, at the same time as being so heavily increased in expectations, we're so easily distracted. 
How many of you guys ever walked down Cubicle Row at your, at your job, if you have cubicles there, and seen that coworker of yours still on Facebook or playing some kind of weird screensaver game or something like that, right? There's so many distractions. Or it's on your phone at the work, the work site, and they're just flipping through Instagram. They're on Facebook. Now, they're not supposed to be, but it's so easy to get distracted. And yet all the expectations are high to get your work done and all the distractions are high and we feel frazzled, we feel exhausted knowing by the end of the day what I'm going to have to do is get, onto, get into a car, drive that 50, 35, whatever it is, commute back. I'm going to be drained, wiped out. And for what? Because here's what else technology has done. Technology has enhanced our ability to produce so well that we don't produce anything like craftsmen anymore. So craftsman would engage with his work, and he would take a month or so to produce a table that would last a lifetime. Today, even your best computers, in many cases, are built to last how long? Five years? Seven years? Maybe they're out of date? Your awesome, your awesome phone you just got? Ah, done. It's no, it's no good anymore. They're not even going to support it eventually. You know, that kind of a problem. The, everything is made to be thrown away. You've gone from that which can last a lifetime to that which is disposable. And more and more people are looking at their work and grinding at their jobs. Yes, you're getting paid, but in the end, you're looking and asking the question, what did I do this for? Everything I made just gets thrown into the trash. I worked 40 years for maybe not the same place, all these different places. And what do I have to show for it? What's going on? And midlife crises are increasing. Stress is increasing. All these pieces increase along with long commutes and all that travel that people are doing. And we're weary because we still toil. And technology has just enhanced it and continued to help hollow out so much of that work. And so many of you are here today, you're exhausted, you're worn out, you're like, when am I going to ever get any rest? And yet technology promised you some great rest. It promised you, oh, we will make rest even better. It'll be more entertaining. You know, it'll do, its, it'll do the work for you at home. It'll be awesome. That's not true. You know what happens. You're so worn out. You don't get rest. You, don't, you have to go home. There's still laundry to do. There's still house problems to do. There's all this stuff. Robots aren't taking care of that stuff. You are. And so it just piles up as you crash. And what eventually happens is instead of technology giving us better rest, technology hollows our rest, it begins to core it out. You see, God knew we needed rest. God had actually designed us for work. And when the toil hit, I believe, he looked and he knew humanity is going to need rest because I made them like me. I made them after the image. So he had to command us because we're sinful. We don't want to do what God does. And so he had to tell us, listen, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And here's the thing. This is one of the Ten Commandments. This is a top ten. You need to be taking rest. You need to just get a break. God designed you for it. And many of us, we don't have it. In fact, we will chafe against this being a command. We're like, it's not in the New Testament, or some people argue against it. Is it Sunday? Is it this? All this stuff goes on. And here's the bottom line. God just wants you to get refreshed. See, notice how he puts it later in chapter 23 as Moses is writing. It says, six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be what? Refreshed. When is the last time you came off of a weekend energized and ready for Monday without caffeine? <laughs> and that's the problem. Something's wrong. We aren't resting rightly. 
We're not getting the energy so that you're entering back into your work week to where you're energized, you're ready to engage again. You feel refreshed, but that's what it was about. The Sabbath was intended for us to refresh, and and technology said, I'm going to help you. We're going to make you refresh. We're going to age you and get you all better. And yet, here's the thing. Technology hasn't really done that. What it's done is made us some exchanges. First of all, it said, hey, I want to give you an exchange. You give me renewal, and I'll give you leisure. And leisure is different than renewal and rest. God intended us to rest, but what often we end up doing is getting leisure. Now, I love how Andy Crouch defines leisure. He says, leisure is fruitless rest. Leisure is the kind of rest that you get that in the end, you're just going like, what did I get from that? I can remember this in my own life. Years ago, my wife and I, we, when our two, our, we have four kiddos, and when our younger two were little, and, and just we were exhausted, it was a lot of work, and we're just like, we need a break. Um, and somebody in the youth group said, hey, go ahead and take our timeshare. It's, it's up in Big Bear, and you guys can relax up there. And our kiddos were taken by my in-laws, and they got to hang out there. And so we got to get away. And you know, that's awesome when you're a young couple, and you're like, time alone, this is awesome. So we pack up, we get up the Big Bear, we throw our stuff in this, in this nice kind of um, timeshare, and we're like, okay, this is, this is nice. There's a wait, flat screen TV, a DVD player, this is good. So I think we went out and got some food to eat, we came back, and we, we had brought 24 with us. Anybody remember the show 24, right? And so we were like, eh, we'll watch one. Four hours later, we're like, it's one o'clock. Oh my gosh, so we went to bed, and we, we got up the next morning, I think we got some breakfast, and I think one of us looked at the other one, you want to watch another one? Seven hours later, we had watched so much 24. We were like, I don't feel rested. I, I feel, you know, Jack made me tired, you know, that kind of thing. And we were, literally, we were exhausted. There was something about the leisure of just sitting there eating, sitting there watching. It wasn't giving us true rest. In fact, when we look back at it, we're like, man, we could have gone on hikes. There were some cool things we could have explored, but we didn't. We spent the whole day inside watching Jack live life while we didn't live life. And what's interesting is that is the problem with leisure. It often doesn't give you anything to show for your rest. It doesn't give you anything to show physically, mentally, spiritually speaking. It's just you look back and go, ah, I'd like those hours back maybe. Because we do certain exchanges with leisure. We we trade in thought for amusement. Think about it, where we have a time to sit in our rest and think, to ponder God, to ponder the thoughts of this world, to engage with scripture. What we often do is we choose instead of rest, amusement. And the word amusement literally means to amuse, to not think. And think, listen to the language we use. I just need to veg out. And I just need to disengage. And what we mean is I don't want to think right now. Which is really interesting because that is the number one way the spiritual world would love for us to be. God called us not to be conformed to the world, but be renewed in our minds. And when we're dropping our mind, when we're dropping that opportunity to think about what we're engaging, we're inviting new ideas in. How many evils have you been introduced to just by entertainment? Things you never would have known about had you not amused yourself for a few hours. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with leisure. I'm saying there's something wrong in the exchange of amusement versus thinking, versus engaging. I know some people literally watch shows and they talk about them with their families and things like that. But that's, that's the danger. Technology can so easily help you disengage your mind. And then you just take in whatever's coming at you. Sometimes, and in fact, we'll do this. We'll exchange production in our rest for absolute just consumption. 
you like production. We'll get to that in a minute. There is a production you will create in rest. There is a fruit to it, but there is a not a fruit when you're just consuming. When you're just sitting, eating everything, sitting, watching, taking it in through everything that you do, you're just consuming. You have nothing to show for it at the end except that you watch something. You can check it off. Saw that, saw that, saw that. That's consume. And the danger in consumption is over-consuming and feeding your flesh, as we'll see in a minute. And often, again, we will tell ourselves, what do I have to show for this? And so the home ceases to be a place where we engage and interact. It's a place we can hide in our leisures, go to our own screens, disappear to our own music, disappear to our own rooms, disappear in all these ways. And the family disintegrates and the community disintegrates and our time with God disintegrates because we rest wrongly. And you come to the end of your week or you come to the end of your vacation. And as we often say, man, I need a vacation from my vacation. Anybody ever felt that way? Something's wrong with our rest. Something's wrong with the way that we're doing it. And I believe God has given us the better way. He's, he is the God who said, let's deal with the, the acid of technology. Let's use technology for our rest, not just let it take our rest away from us. Let's engage with these things rightly. And so he gives us some, some of this. Again, God calls us to really rest. Again, he says, take that Sabbath, rest. The word Sabbath actually means to cease, to stop, to desist. And so he is telling us, you need to stop. You need to work, 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 rest, stop. Don't do any more. Take a break. By the word of God, you have a religious excuse to take a day off, for goodness sakes. And it's not lazy. It's not. We have to remind ourselves, in a, work that wants, in a world that wants to work, 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 you're not lazy when you take a day of rest. God told you to. So what do we need to cease? Well, in the, ancient, in the ancient Israelite culture, what they would cease doing is they would cease working in their fields. They'd cease producing things that they would sell for the commercial. They would cease long travel. They would focus on the immediate community that they were around. They would let everybody around them have a break because they wanted everybody to rest and, not, and, and they didn't want leisure where somebody was doing the work for them. And so there was this opportunity for everybody to stop, even the animals, just to be refreshed. And this is the picture that you and I would just not do our work. Don't take your work home with you. Don't bring it to work on that day. Don't set up for the next week. Don't, that is not for your rest day. You need to let that which you'd be paid for and would produce in your life to just be set aside for a time. Now, you need to just lay it aside so you can get some rest. Cease the work that often provides for you. Cease this stuff for the sake of other things. Now, here, this is where I, I, have a t I actually agree with Calvin. Calvin would say, listen, guys, every day is a Sabbath in Christ. It's not a specific day. It's not a this day or that day. He says every day should be lived as if you're living it for God. You should cease from doing evil and you should act in the work of God so that everything that you do has meaning. So that all we do, whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God. Amen? And that means every day can be in some way restful. Because you're entering into Christ's rest. Christ who died on the cross to bear our toil, our works, our pains. He fulfilled all the work. He gives you what you need for heaven. He sets you free so you can enter his rest, which is ultimate. And that can be found in every day, in every situation. Now, whether or not that means you need to take a day off or, or not take a day off and do this kind of stuff, there's a, you know, I get it, there's a big theological debate and all that kind of thing. I just want to remind us that, listen... It's, it's, we don't have to turn it into a huge problem. 
There was seemed to be an argument even in the first century over this, as Paul would say to the Colossians, he says, therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now, here's the problem in our churches today, in a lot of evangelical churches. What we have done is we've gone, look, Christ has set us free from the Sabbath. We don't have to do this anymore. And so we work our tails off and we disobey what God's intention was. God wants you to rest. I suggest you rest on Sunday. I think it fits the best day. I think it connects the best way. And um, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, again, we don't need to debate this, but I think God calls you to have a day off, to have a rest, to cease from your work at least once a week or at least. Now notice, he is, the call to release our work then is, is difficult. Like, what do I put away then? Because in these debates, you have people who are saying, you just need to sit in your house, stare at each other, and, and just n- don't cook, don't, don't do anything, Let the, just, just sit, you know, kind of go to church, go home. That's about all that some of them say. And I'm not in that camp. I really don't see that in Scripture. Well, the calling often to me is not about just sitting around staring at the walls and talking and things like that. No, there's more engagement and rest than you think. See, what we need to do is we need to put away the things that make money. Right? So you don't pull up your Instagram account and just post all kinds of stuff and talk all kinds. Don't wear yourself out. Don't do things that destroy and bring you down. Don't over-travel. Don't bring home work. Parenting, by the way, you have to do that. Sorry, that's not actually in the scripture. You don't get to rest from being parents. Moms are like, no! Especially if you have young, you have young kids. But hey, yeah, I'm sorry to tell you, rest and parenting, they don't, that, that doesn't match in scripture. You have to keep parenting husbands. You have to keep parenting, dads. And I just want to suggest, dads, on a nice rest day, step it up. Take the kids to the park. Let your wife, who's with the kids, take a nap. And the lady said, all right, so. And all the men gave me emails. All right, so the, uh, my point, though, is that indeed you don't rest from parenting, you don't rest from the activity of your community, your family. But yeah, hey, you need to get a break. If you are a family with young kids, sometimes it's easier just to go swap kids. Like we used to swap to, just to get a date night, we'd say with our with my in-laws, they would take our four kids and they had four kids. You're going, they had eight kids in the house? It was awesome. When you have eight kids together, they pair off and disappear. And then my wife and I'd sit there and go like, how did we end up alone when all the kids are here? And it was fun because they were upstairs doing something. We, they had a chance to go out and rest and be together and have their date night rebuild. And then we would swap and the same thing would happen. And it was just one of those ways that sometimes you got to get imaginative. you got to help with the community. we got to be able to help each other so we can find rest, especially in these young years when your kids take so much, so much intensity. And so I just want to encourage you guys to engage in rest. And again, don't turn this into that big theological debate. We can all agree that obviously we need rest. God designed you for it. He's he worked six days and rested on the seventh. He made this in his image. And on top of that, all the literature out there right now shows if you work super long weeks above about 45 hours, all of your ability at work plummets after those 45 hours. You get worse and worse and worse at your work. You need rest. We need to engage in this. And God wants the rest for us. Remember how Jesus put this. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
Well, I'm not calling you guys to shape a new law for yourself as if you're going to displease God because you didn't take a Sabbath and all this stuff and now you got to do a Sabbath to be saved. No, 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 put all that aside. You're saved through grace in Jesus Christ. But at least I hope you want a Sabbath. I would hope at least your heart condition is leaning towards wanting a time where you're resting and you're resting rightly. Not in leisure, not in these other things, but resting in a way that actually does what God calls us to, which is to renew your soul. Now pause here real quick. As I use the word soul, I'm not just talking about your spirit. The Hebrew term soul was one that contained the whole of your body, your spirit, your mental faculties, your emotions. You needed to regenerate and recreate and renew your soul, the whole of who you are. And this was God's call. This is what God wanted us for us, that we would actually have this time off and it not be a burden. In fact, what I love about this is this is the time that you can think about, well, what, what can I do? You don't just veg out. You want to have a renewed self. Think about that word, renew. To renew means to recreate, to restart it, to feel like, hey, I can do this again, to have that energy on Monday morning. And so maybe on your rest day, you should decaffeinate. Why do you need the caffeine to keep you going for what? Take a nap, sleep in, get some rest. Why would we caffeinate ourselves on a rest day? Why would, we, why would we engage in these ways? Go for a walk. Go out and listen to a podcast so you engage your mind. Have conversations about thought. There's all of these opportunities to renew your mind, to renew your soul, to renew your physicality. Now, I'm not saying get out there and wear yourself out, but I'm also not saying, hey, be one of those guys who talks about what I used to play in high school and now I watch everybody else play it on television because guess what? All that began that you're watching on TV began by people recreating after church or on a Saturday on a weekend. There's a bunch of men who got together, formed little leagues, and were doing stuff. Eventually became the NFL. Let's pay them for that. But recreating can mean getting out there playing some sports together. Recreating can mean, hey, sitting in the kitchen learning together a new recipe. As long as it's not wearing you out, as long as it's not destroying you and you're not getting paid for it, this is a time for you to get out there and to renew your body, to regain some energy, regain some strength. And I guarantee you, sitting around all day does not always renew your body. And we all know this. And so we need to engage, and, but it's about what you're doing with your heart. Remember this. Notice how Isaiah puts it when he's calling the church about, or calling the, calling the Israelites to actually rest. He says, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and what he means there is not like, hey, going and enjoying it. You, you're not, you can't enjoy the holy day. That's not his point. He's saying turning back from the things that you desire that fills your flesh. If you'll turn back from those, and call the Sabbath a delight and a holy day of the Lord honorable. And if you honor it, not going your own ways but see, and seeking your own pleasure or take, talking idly, then you will, shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. The promise is if you will rest rightly and rest with the Lord and rest where you are renewed, you'll have energy, you'll have an ability to move forward. But this means that we need to rest in such a manner that we aren't feeding the flesh but we're actually engaging in renewal. The pleasure, again, isn't against recreation. There's been lots of conversation in the theology books about that. This is about giving into your flesh. And in our leisure, too often, I believe, we give into our flesh more than anything. 
We can actually produce laziness on our rest day by just kind of bleeding out and vegging out and letting evil come into our mind and all these kind of things. But you can also renew your body, renew your heart, renew your mind with technology on your rest day and not feed your flesh. You just need to know which it is for you. See, here's how I know what usually feeds my flesh. I go from Galatians 6.8. As Paul's talking about the flesh and the spirit and the combat between them, he engages in this one ending verse. He says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap what? Corruption. If you feel thinner, weaker, further from God, further from your community, like you lost time, that's corruption. And when you're feeding your flesh, you're going to have more times and more things that you're going to regret. And there's going to be less things that you're going to find that are fruitful. Notice when you, when you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. And that is this kind of life of God, this life that goes on that's here now. It's life in the kingdom. It's going to have engagement where you're going to feel like I'm closer to God. I'm closer with my community. Hey, I have something to look back to, something I've learned, something that I feel that that God has shown me, something that I engage with that takes you further. Rest has a very, very fruitful experience with it. You're just allowing God to handle all your work and all your finances in a different days. And this day is to stop and recreate, renew, get engaged. That won't be easy because your flesh, as I said, is going to fight. You're going to, everything in you is going to be like, I just want to go crash. I just want to not like think. I don't want to do anything. Maybe you should go take the nap. Seriously. Half the time, what we just need to do is just shut down. Maybe turn the lights off in the house and fall asleep. Just because you can have the light on doesn't mean we should. The technology has changed the way we engage with rest, even in our sleep patterns. And so we need to even ask ourselves these questions. Is there a time to turn the lights off at home? Is there a time to engage ourselves so that we can get the rest that we need? If we let all the technology tell us what to do, you're going to end up staying up late, getting up early, and you're going to be wiped out no matter how, what you do. So let's get control of our rest. And well, how do we neutralize the acid then? Well, God gives us a few things. Number one, he gives us a rhythm, right? He says, rest with a rhythm. You don't rest randomly. You need to rest with a rhythm. And God's rhythm indeed was this. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. He put this rhythm into creation. He worked six days, rested one. He says, I made you in my image. Work six days, rest one. Put a rhythm in. One, two, three, four, five, six, rest. Stop. Now, some of your work world won't let you do that. You work on the weekends. You work in random ways. As best as you can, get a rhythm. Uh, get as close to a six-day work day and a day off as, as you possibly can. Do not allow yourself to overwork past those things. You've got to have that rhythm. Why a rhythm? Well, your body needs a rhythm. Guaranteed, your body actually learns a rhythm. They call them biorhythms. There's all kinds of stuff like that. I can just attest from my own life. I will take weeks off where I'm not preaching. Sometimes we'll go up to three weeks and we'll, we'll get away. It doesn't matter. Invariably, around 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock on Sunday, I haven't done anything. Maybe I'm just hanging out with a family, and I just go, I'm so tired. Because I've been preaching at that time slot for over 10 years. And my body says, hello, it's time to take a nap. 
And when you hit those rhythms, it's engaged. And if your body knows this is my rest day, it's going to long for it. It's going to want it. It's going to expect it. You're going to start renewing energy already that you, because you're taking that rhythm into consideration, you're able to say, okay, this is the day to rest. You're going to put it in your calendar. You're going to say no to all the things that you're going to say no to. And because this is your excuse from God to rest. You just write nap day, whatever you need to right there. And when people go, hey, do you want to go do this crazy thing? I'm like, no, I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest. If you know that's not restful for you. Now, as you engage in this, you're going to neutralize it by doing something else. You need to rest with God. This is the thing that we need to remember. Our secular culture wants to tell you the best kind of rest is where you just do nothing. You vacate. And yet everything in scripture says the rest that we rest we do to God. Look at that verse again. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. To who? To God. How in the world can we say we've rested and gone on vacation when sometimes, honestly, we go on vacation and we don't even remember to bring our Bible? You get back to the end, you're like, I didn't pray, I didn't bring a Bible, we didn't go to church. Who'd you vacate from? And we, we can't, that's not a vacation. Our true rest is a rest with God, to God, in Christ. So we're with him, and we know him, and we engage with him. This is the way you feed your spirit. And we talked about that time that you need to get away in that space, and you're going, like, I don't know when I do that. You do that on a rest day. If you've ever done, if you did the love keystone, you're going to hear about studying the word of God. You're going to be like, when in the world could I ever study the word of God? Well, it isn't going to be at the end of your day. After you've had that long commute, that long day of work, and you're just already fried, and you're like, I'm going to study the Bible. You're not going to do it. It's a rest day that you stop, and you're able to actually begin to use all of the technology and all the things to help you dig in deep to the Word of God. That comes on a rest day. And now you can dig deep. Now you have something to meditate throughout the rest of the week. Now you have something to read and engage with. But it takes that rest day to help you dig deep and go deep with the Lord to engage in that long prayer time, to spend time in silence and solitude, to set aside the technology to reset. Whatever it is, you need that day and that time to do that. And you need that day so we can celebrate the work of God together. Part of ceasing on the Sabbath was always about celebrating. Did you know that? God works six days and on the seventh day rests to celebrate that he had finished the creation. That's part of what's going on. And the reason we know that is there's another verse where God says you need to rest. He, does, he repeats it in Deuteronomy. But he doesn't say because six days I created and on the seventh I rest. He says because I took you guys out of Egypt. He says I finished the work of creating Israel and now we're going to rest. In the same way the church has always celebrated on Sunday because that is, the, that is the celebration day of the resurrection of Jesus in which he finalized and completed our work and we enter his rest. And so we're here gathered on a Sunday. That's why I say as Christians, let's, if we're going to pick a day and have a rhythm, let's have it on Sunday. Amen? Most of us have it off. Most of us are gathering together and you're filling your spirits and your souls by gathering, being with community, being in the word of God, singing to God. Do you understand how special this opportunity is that you have? I hope you just don't come to be entertained. I hope you come to engage with God. To be ready to be in his word. To be ready to be in prayer. To be ready to be exhorted and encouraged to move forward, to stop and engage with one another. 
Because that is the specialness of having rest on this day. You're not hurried to get out of here, but you're engaged with each other. And so when we celebrate, you go, okay, well, awesome. So I gather, I can come here, I can rest. That means I don't have to serve on Sunday, right? No, no, that's, uh, let me remind us <laughs> that God has gifted you with gifts to serve one another, and it's not wrong to do good on the Sabbath. As Jesus very clearly said, in a synagogue on his Sabbath, he would, there was this man with a withered hand, and he gets up and he says, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or destroy it? And they all sat there going, we're not answering the question. It's obvious what the answer is. To save a life, to do good is right. And so he turned to the man, he said, stretch out your hand, and he did so, and his hand was restored. When Jesus is illustrating in this situation with the Sabbath, he's clearly telling us, look, it is good to do good on the Sabbath. So if you have a ministry, do your ministry, it's okay. But here's the thing, don't do five. If you find yourself in like seven ministries on Sunday, you're like, ah, and you're tired, Probably not the right idea of what we're supposed to be doing. Give room for everyone to serve according to their gifts, and we will grow in encouragement with each other. There is something about giving and using your giftedness on a morning, on a Sunday, at church together. God gives, there's, there's a satisfaction that comes out. God gives an energy to that. You'll look back, and it's restful because there is something about it. You're not getting paid for it. It's something you get to engage in, and God brings about fruit in your life. That may be spiritually fruitful, like the, the character of Christ. It may be that you've reached someone for Christ. There's all kinds of stuff like that. But we can do this together. Finally, we need to do it together. We need to rest with others. Guys, we talked about the waves. They're going to destroy your family. A rest day is a day to be with your family. A rest day is a day to have a meal, a real meal. Have you guys watched how we eat lately? You ever sat down with your family and watched the condition upon which we just sit down? And it's like, in my family, it's like somebody's always in the head start. Like it's a race, right? I got out of the gate first. We're like, whoa, whoa, we're going to pray before we eat, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's always like, I'm done. Can I get out of here? It's like, wow, how did we get so hurried to eat? On a rest day, just sit, enjoy, talk, eat. Let somebody bring a subject up, talk about it. Maybe somebody did something at school, let them show it off. Maybe, hey, somebody learned something new, let them show it, talk about it, play it, sing, do something together, be a family. Why are we in such a hurry to get to the next thing? On a rest day, you call yourself to slow down, you engage, you invite people over after church and you have time together and you're going, not my house, my house is a mess, perfect. Because you're going to set all that aside because you're not going to catch up with the Joneses. You're not going to make everything perfect. And what happens is when you have a rhythm and you have people coming over on a regular basis, it starts to become about the people. You start realizing they don't really care. I don't really, we're all going to be here together. We're going to be in community. We're going to play some games. We're going to talk about the sermon. We're going to engage with each other. This is the power of a community. The opportunity to do these things together enables us to set aside sometimes the technology, not just to be leisurely and let ourselves vacate, but instead to engage so that at the end of your fruitful time period of rest, you have something to show for it. A closer connection with someone in the church, a closer connection with your God, a closer connection with your own soul as you're thinking through with your family. Guys, there's all these things that we talked about. And this technological revolution is going to tear it up, fling it out, break it down. But the day of rest gives you the opportunity to apply everything that we've talked about. 
The day of rest gives you an intentional, weekly opportunity to say, pause, we're going to be intentional. We're going to tell the screens what to do. They're not going to tell us. I truly believe God puts you in this time, during this revolution, on purpose. And I believe he places here not to just be overwhelmed by the transformations going on around us, but that we would be intentional. And in that way, we would come out of this and people would go, what is different about your lives? Because we walk with Jesus and we follow after him and we follow his word. He establishes us as leaders in this world. And we will shine like a light, a bunch of rested lights who are connected with our community, who are able to enter in and ready to engage in ways controlling technology and not letting it control us. That's my hope for our church. That's my hope for all of us. And so I'm excited that God has given us just this chance to work through this. And I'm going to pray a blessing over you guys as we go from here. Would you join with me? Bow your heads. Father, I just ask that you would bless our church with rest. That God, you would bless the church as a whole around the world with the opportunity to control the screens, to not be taken in by this revolution, but instead to know how to guide and use it for the sake of your kingdom. God, that we would lead our families through, that we'd lead our communities through, that we would spend time with you and be ever so closely connected to you and to one another. And God, that we would find that rest. I pray that you would just enable us in these ways by your spirit and for your name that you would be glorified in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.